it's hard to accept the fact that you have to understand that not everyone is going to be interested in your first thing. You know, you've got to build up some consistency and a reputation with it. And even though I've built up, you know, an audience with my YouTube channel and other things, I'm not expecting them all to, you know, hop on over and translate to this new thing. You can't, you can't expect that. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie. This week, our topic, What If Nobody Notices, comes to us by way of an email from a listener, actually. We had Eddie, who said he was happy for us to use his name when we share his story. He sent us an email talking about a couple of issues he's facing with a lack of self-confidence with launching his online store and promoting his artwork. He said that he thinks that the reason he's having problems with launching this is that he's afraid. He's afraid not even of rejection or negative feedback, but of being ignored or going unnoticed. And when I read this, I thought that was just so interesting and a thing that people don't often talk about, right, Fem? So we decided that we should address it today. I think people are often afraid to talk about how much they want other people to see their work because it's seen as big-headed, perhaps, that you want to have an audience. But at the same time, as artists, we do want people to notice and appreciate our work. So I think it should be a good talk today. How has your week been, though, First Femme? Let's have a quick check-in. My week has been good, actually. It's been quite a smooth one. I've just been trucking along doing the usual. I today actually have an appointment with a... A lady here in Amsterdam who is well educated in print and paper and we're going to have a bit of a chat about my magazine side project idea for the summer. Cool. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that today. She's apparently like a paper expert and you know has a lot of experience in print design. So she was recommended to me by a friend of mine here. So I'm really looking forward to sharing the idea with her and getting a bit of feedback and a bit of her advice. So Yeah, I mean, things are going well. I'm slowly making progress on some of my side project ideas. And guess what else I did in the last week? What? I coded something. I am so (laughs) proud of you, Femme. That's amazing. To anyone who didn't listen last week, we talked about should designers learn to code? And there was quite a debate about where coding fits into the design process. And I encourage Femme to try and code a bit of her own website that she's making. And you've done that. Yeah, well, all it is so far is a footer, but uh, still, I thought that's a, a start. Yeah, I thought a footer was a good place to start because you know it's usually pretty simple. Just got some links down the bottom, etc., and maybe a button. So, yeah, I mean, it took me like two days to do it, and and that's not like two days, you know, straight. But over sort of two to three days, I kind of set it all up and like had a play. And Owen, of course, has been helping me as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty stoked. I think uh, so. I mean, the plan is to keep going with it and build the whole thing out eventually. But yeah, it feels good to at least have made a little start. Yeah, that first step is the hardest part, right? Yeah. But what about you? Have you got any exciting news to share or anything you've been working on? Well, I do, I guess, have exciting news to share. It's not public yet, but I I suppose it will be by the time this episode goes out. I've actually been asked to host a vlogging workshop up in Leeds as part of a literary festival. So that's really exciting. That email sort of came out of the blue and 
yeah, now I'm going to prep for this workshop and I think I'm going to be talking to teenagers about how they can share their passions via YouTube. And obviously I'll be talking a lot about design in that because that's my passion. Yeah, really exciting opportunity and a good way to kick off some public speaking that I have lined up for the rest of the year. Yeah. Have you done a workshop before or will this be your first? No, never a workshop before, I don't think. Uh, I've, I think I've like held like little classes with children back in the day, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, talking to them about things. But this is going to be the first like structured workshop that I've ever done. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. And I feel like it's a topic that I know quite well. So I'm not too nervous in that way. Like mm-hmm. I think I'd be more nervous if it was about design in a way, just because I don't know, there's a bit of that imposter syndrome there because I feel like I'm still you know, early in my career, but with YouTube, I feel like I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, looking forward to it. So exciting. Congrats on that offer. That's so cool. Thank you. So talking of YouTube, it brings me to thinking about an audience that kind of leads into today's topic, actually. I'm interested to know, Femme, if this fear of eddies that he's, you know, shared with us, which we really appreciate, is this something that you have as well? Is a fear of nobody noticing something that you experience when you're launching a new side project? I mean, yes, of course. There's always that little fear of, will anybody care? Will anybody see this? You know, what what does this mean for other people? Maybe, maybe I'm the only one who really cares about it. Is it worth doing it? But... I also feel like I'm more afraid of doing what I'm doing now for a long period of time and still nobody noticing. Yeah, that's tough. Like I'm I'm kind of okay at the moment with the fact now that, I mean, people do notice what I do. Like if I put out a new blog post, I mean, somebody notices. I wouldn't say it's like huge or anything, but people read it. I can see in Google Analytics and I might get one or two people sharing it, which, you know, is pretty small, but... I guess, you know, there's at least one person noticing it. But if I think if I think of it to the future and like say I'm still doing what I'm doing now in two years, but I haven't seen any growth and maybe still not many people are noticing, that's what I'm afraid of. And I think it's kind of that fear of doing something for that long and not really getting any results from it. That kind of, That's the thing that kind of scares me, I think. That is a really great point. And I think that's perhaps... Maybe part of the fear of, you know, holding back on starting because being afraid that no one notices, not just because you're afraid of no one noticing at the beginning, because I feel like on some level we all expect that, you know, when you launch something, you do have, it does take a bit to get the word out there and for people to notice what you're doing. But I'm thinking I'm going to agree with you that it's more scary to think about doing something for a long period of time and still nobody noticing. Yeah. And I mean... Sometimes that will happen, I think, unfortunately, to some people or to some projects. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just a sign that it's time to move on and do something else. And and that can be scary to think about if you're so passionate about this thing and you've spent so long doing it and really invested your time and energy and, and drive into that thing. But if after sort of two years it's still not really taken off, I mean... I guess you have a few choices. You could either move on or sort of reevaluate your position and kind of think, okay, well, something obviously needs to change. You know, wh- what is it that needs to change and maybe do a bit of research there? Yeah, I would say that I wouldn't, if, you, if it is something you're really passionate about and obviously if you have been doing it for a few years without, you know, much feedback and audience support in quote marks or whatever, 
I think that's something that is worth continuing with but moving in a different direction because you should be working for your passion first and foremost rather than for what the audience wants. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. If it's something that you want, you want to be doing, you need to find a way to find the audience that is interested in what you're doing because I firmly believe but that there are people out there who will be interested in your niche, whatever it is, you know, but perhaps you're not promoting yourself well on social media Perhaps you haven't got very good SEO going on or perhaps you need to step up your production value a bit or something. I don't know. I think that take a step back and reevaluate and see how you can keep going on the same line that you're going down, but adjust it and try a few things out to see what, what might get some results. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that, you know, having people notice what you're doing isn't necessarily a goal for everyone like yeah true maybe you're super passionate about what you're doing or you have a side project that you that you do you know on a consistent basis and you're okay with nobody noticing like that's fine to you if you're getting the passion and the enjoyment from it anyway then I think that's also great I mean I think like growing an audience and having people notice like for me personally I find that quite fulfilling and I enjoy that part of what I do but I mean, yeah, like I don't think that – oh, I'm guessing that not everybody has that as like a goal or some people are probably okay with with other people not noticing, which is also cool. But then, you know, I don't think we should feel guilty about wanting people to notice, you know? Yes, I totally agree. I think it's our side projects that we do, Femme, are more designed to have an audience, you know, like – You're writing a blog that you want people to read and these interviews where you want to share these creative stories with other people and, you know, help get them noticed in a way and sharing advice and things. You want advice to be heard and read and you want to try and help someone with it. So, of course, you want to have an audience who respond to that. But if, for example, um, I'm trying to think of one that I've – a side project that I've done that hasn't required an audience – but most of them have because there's things like my online store, for example. I obviously would like an audience for that because I want to sell products. And, you know, you can't sell to the nothingness yeah. if nobody's noticing. Yeah, exactly. One example that kind of comes to my mind is uh, actually a friend of mine who you also know, Charlie, uh, Danae. And she, a few years ago, started a spatial design blog And so she blogs about spatial design and she has, you know, she shares photos of cafes that she visits and talks about the interiors, etc. She's a spatial designer, if people haven't guessed by now. Uh, (laughs) And I think for her at the time, you know, starting that blog was obviously a way for her to, you know, improve her writing and go out and explore new cafes. And, and, you know, she's obviously passionate about it. But I think it was, uh, well, another driving factor of that, I think, was as having it as something to add to her portfolio so that when she applied for work and when prospective, you know, employers visited her her website, they could see that she was also blogging about it and, you know, that she's actually passionate and interested about spatial design and that it's something that she, you know, pursues in her spare time as well as professionally. So I don't think she has that driving factor like we do of wanting to, like, grow and build an audience and connect with others, but I think her focus is more on positioning herself as a spatial designer for more employment purposes, I think. 
That makes total sense. That's a really great example. And actually, when you were talking about that, I thought of one, a side project that I did have that didn't require an audience. When I made my music infographic of 2015, that was for my own purposes. Like, obviously, I wanted to share it and I wanted people to see it because I was proud of my work. And, you know, that's that's what you do. But that was made first and foremost because I wanted to make an infographic and have this piece in my portfolio and, you know, as a little time capsule for myself. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. So then say in future you, I don't know, maybe like, okay, so you're thinking of doing a workshop over the summer, right, for your Mm -hmm. YouTube channel? Okay, so let's use that as an example. What if you launched that and nobody noticed? Like, is that something you're afraid of happening? That is absolutely my biggest fear and is the reason why I haven't done anything like this yet. I've experienced it before with uh, my t-shirt line that, you know, I try and build some hype around it and try and get people interested. And then I launch the new designs and I sell a couple, but not too many, you know, and I know I am really appreciative of those few that I do sell, you know, when I launch the line, but yeah, I kind of was a bit disappointed in myself when that last line launched at the response. It's picked up since then, which is awesome, but that's my biggest fear of happening with the workshop is that I announce it and, you know, we'll publish content around it and try and be driving people towards signing up for it. And nobody does like, what do you, what do you even do then? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't have an answer, but I can see how that would be a bit scary, but I think also like this is going to be your first sort of like workshop launch right so yeah I guess it's probably going to be a bit of a learning experience for you and you'll learn I assume you'll learn a lot for next time if there's going to be a next time yeah I think you're right it's just it's hard to accept the fact that you have to understand that not everyone is going to be interested in your first thing you know you've got to build up some consistency and a reputation with it and even though I've built up you know, an audience with my YouTube channel and other things, I'm not expecting them all to, you know, hop on over and translate to this new thing. You can't, you can't expect that. And so I'm trying to not get my hopes up too high and I am going to keep it small, like a limited number of people so that, you know, it won't be too big a deal if um, Mm -hmm. not many people do sign up. It'll just mean, I mean, if not many people do, it'll just mean a more intimate workshop, right? For the ones that do sign up. So I suppose that I just need to think a bit more positively and think about it that way. Yeah, that's interesting that you talk about expectation, which I think is important as well. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious that as you launch more things, you know, people notice more and you can probably expect a bigger return on investment, I guess you could say. Yeah, like when we launched this podcast, for example, we already, you know, you'd already been blogging and, you know, had your audience from the apartment. I had my audience from the YouTube channel. So we were able to sort of combine those together and get a bunch of people listening when we first started. And I was very shocked by that. Honestly, I thought we were going to be talking to crickets for a few (laughs) months before people really started, you know, getting interested and being like, okay, these girls have been doing this a while now. Let's check it out. So that was unexpectedly cool. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, we probably would have launched to crickets if neither of us had an audience to begin with, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think it's a good point about like building your reputation and people are going to trust you more if they can see that you have delivered on other things. Like, you know, Charlie, you've delivered on a consistent YouTube channel for two and a half years. I've delivered on my blog, etc. And so when we launched the podcast, you know, we have a bit of a track record and I think we're a bit more reliable in that way. So people are going to show up for it because they kind of know the value to expect from us, I guess you could say. Yeah, that makes sense. We've sort of set a precedent, I suppose, of the type of quality to expect and the type of content to expect and and the consistency as well. So that might have helped our audience like come on over to this podcast as well as the other things. What do you think we would have done if we'd launched the podcast and very few people listened to those first couple of episodes? Would we have kept going? I think so. I mean, I'd like to think that we both would have kept going because I feel like we both sort of have that understanding of, or I guess that low expectation of potentially not many people showing up initially, but as we consistently show up and keep delivering, then that audience will eventually slowly start to grow. I totally agree. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're on the same page. (laughs) Yes. I, I think that we both have fairly long game mindsets. You know, we're thinking about people discovering this content years down the track. So hello, future people, if this is not 2016 when you're listening to this. Yeah, exactly. That's scary to think about. (laughs) So I think we would definitely have kept going if there was very few listens, but maybe if it was after like a year and we still, we weren't seeing any growth, like it was still only a couple of people, I think we would have reevaluated or maybe, maybe before then, not quit, but reevaluated what we were doing. I agree. So we've both talked a bit about an audience so far in this. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I think we both agree that having an audience is important when it comes to launching or releasing things as it helps people notice what you're doing. So like what does having an audience mean to you? Like why do you have an audience? How is that important or valuable do you think when you're launching new things? Having an audience to me is a big part of my side projects. Like they're, they're really included in it. It's not just like a byproduct of it, if that makes sense. For example, most of my video topic ideas these days come from the audience. It comes from questions people have asked in the comments or emails or tweets I've been sent. And a big part of working on my side projects is replying to people in the comments, for example, and having conversations and working out, what they're all about and what they're struggling with to see what content I can make next that might help them and also other people in the same situation. So it's having an audience is absolutely vital for my side projects and the kind of thing that I do with them. And it doesn't have to be a big audience. It just has to be an engaged one. So I get a lot of regular commenters on my videos, not too many compared to most YouTubers, but there is like maybe about a dozen people that I always recognize their name in the comments and I feel like I get to know them each week when they leave a comment on my videos. And that's really important to me to get to know my audience as people and not just as numbers, you know. So if someone wanted to launch something and they don't yet have an audience, would you recommend that they should first focus on building that audience maybe in a different way and then waiting until they have a bit of a following to launch that thing? 
Oh, I think that depends on what the thing is. You know, if I'd decided to wait until I had more of an audience to launch my YouTube channel, for example, I mean, I don't know how I would have gone about building an audience, but putting out videos consistently has been my way of building an audience. And yeah. perhaps perhaps if it's a product or something you want to sell, I would recommend building an audience through content marketing beforehand to try and try and get that in there. But sometimes launching the thing could be what brings you the audience. Yes, yeah. I think that's a good distinguisher there of like whether you're launching something like a blog or a YouTube channel, which is a thing that will help you build an audience or whether you want to launch something and make a bit of money of it, like a book or a course or a workshop or whatever. Yeah, I think you can be smart about it and know know what you're doing. So perhaps let's just go going back to... Eddie and his dilemma with this online store, perhaps if he started a blog talking about his process and, you know, these things that he's emailed us that he's struggling with, this fear of going unnoticed and wanting people to care about his work, I think that would really strike home for a lot of people and they'd get to know him and he could publish work in progress, talk about how he's progressing with setting up the store and that could start building up an audience before it even launches. Yeah, I guess that's a good suggestion of kind of like iterating in public, like blogging mm. about your experience and feelings of creating a store and building an audience. Like that's already a huge topic, well, I guess a huge theme that has multiple different topics that you could talk about. And yeah, just talk about your process, learning to set up a store, how you're feeling about it. I think uh, that would be a good way to grow an audience that's sort of also interested in that kind of stuff and then when you eventually launch the store you'll already have an audience to launch it too. Yeah and I wouldn't get too hung up on you know when we talk about building an audience we are being vague for a reason right there's no perfect audience size you know you could have a million people yeah. but if they're not all interested in what you're doing then that's pretty worthless it's much better to have a smaller engaged audience, I think, than a big one who doesn't really care too much and is only following you because, I don't know, you gave them something free or whatever. Yeah, I agree. It's it's not all about numbers. I mean, if you're selling something, then maybe it is about numbers. But if you're focusing on growing an audience, then I don't think you should be hung up on numbers at the start. Just try and get those engaging people and hopefully they'll multiply yeah, exactly. And I would say that it is about engagement rather than numbers for selling things too, because if you've got a large audience who doesn't care very much, they're less likely to buy something from you than a smaller audience who does care. Yeah, true. That's a good point. So we decided to check that it wasn't just us and Eddie who had this fear of nobody noticing when launching something. So we tweeted out asking our listeners what they thought about it. And we tweeted, when you're just getting started with sharing a project, does it feel like you're shouting into the abyss and how do you cope with it? And I really liked Louise's reply. She said, I shout louder and wait for a reply. Sometimes the abyss has difficulty hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's such a good like mindset to have on that. And, and it's true. You know, sometimes you do just need to toot your own horn. And I know that uh, last year... When you and I attended the Kick Festival, uh, we heard Tobias Van Schneider speak, and uh, he's well known for having lots of side projects and always hustling on the go. And he did admit that he is an oversharer, like he's not afraid to promote his own stuff, and not just once, but 
multiple times because, I mean, that's the only way you're going to reach people. People aren't going to see your message if you only say it once because not everyone's going to be there at that particular time to see it. So, I mean, I think that's a great premise of Louise, like just shout louder and just keep shouting until someone does notice. And don't just shout in a way that's obnoxious, you know, like you can, because especially when the thing you're sharing is actually going to be valuable to people, it's worth putting it out there, I think. So, you know, just don't be shy. I I went back to Louise and asked her if she had anything, tips to share for keeping your spirits up when nobody is noticing, you know, when you're having to keep shouting into the abyss. And she said, I have trouble keeping my spirits up at the best of times. I enjoy the satisfaction of someone noticing. So I just wait it out. So I think that's about not giving up too quickly, you know? Yeah, and I think also about, like, even if, like, just one person notices, then it's worth it, you know? Like, yeah. it's it's worth putting that effort in just to get that one engaged and really enthusiastic person to notice because, that you know, that makes you feel good. Someone else actually cared about what you did. I really liked Awe's response as well. She said, yes, I have... Um, had had that shouting into the abyss. I just keep going on if it feels good for me, and if it doesn't, I'll change how I shout it. So I think that's what we were talking about earlier, Fem, with adjusting the way you're getting your message out there and looking at what's perhaps not working so you don't have to give up on it, but just tweak it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, quite often there's multiple... You know, the thing that you're shouting has multiple different values and takeaways for different people anyway, so you could mix it up a bit and maybe... One message focuses on this particular takeaway and another message focuses on that particular takeaway, but you still are repeating the same or promoting the same content. Yeah, exactly. And Al actually followed on and said that she used to just blog, but adding YouTube channel to the mix has actually helped her realize what her message and purpose is. So she's still doing the same thing. She's talking about fashion and design, but... She's added something else in there, a different type of content, and that's helped her refine it a bit. And I think it'll really help her build an audience as well. Yeah, totally. YouTube seems like a great way to build an audience. It's on my to-do list one day. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, Holly responded and said that I think if you're passionate about it, you just have to own it. Have some faith and a little patience and keep shouting. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, don't be shy to share your own work. I mean, obviously, in in not a big-headed way, like, look what I did. But I think if you frame it as, like, you know, the value that it has for the person reading it, like, rather than saying, oh, I just wrote a thing about building an audience. Like, maybe instead you could say, oh, learn how to build an audience and get quicker results or, I don't know, whatever. Like, you know, frame it in a way that is relevant to the person reading it. And keep framing it in different ways as well so that people who are seeing the message multiple times aren't going to get sick of it. (laughs) Yeah, true. Having patience is an interesting one too because especially when, I think we've talked about this before, that you see people with so many followers and such huge audiences that it feels difficult to look at your own and, and feel you know, like you're not good enough almost in comparison. You know, you feel like your work is of equal quality to theirs perhaps, but you're just like, well, what am I doing wrong that they've got this and I don't? But often it's just down to timing. You know, building an audience takes a lot of time for most people. Some people are lucky and, you know, it'll happen almost overnight. But for most people, it's about consistency and building it up over time, I think. So patience is definitely key and you can't get discouraged by looking at what other people have and wishing that you had too. That's just not 
not a good space to be in, I don't think. Yeah, totally. I agree. Like there's a few blogs that I follow and, you know, I also follow them on Instagram, etc. And yeah, I look at their numbers and I'm like, whoa, like that must feel so rewarding to have so many engaged people. Uh, but then I go and, you know, see how long they've been doing it for. And it's like, since 2014 or 2013 like three four years and I'm like okay yep that makes sense then (laughs) you know like you can't compare yourself to those people but I think it is a good like motivator you know like I see those people and I'm like okay that's like good to know that if I really put the hard work in and and continue that hopefully I can be in a similar position yeah I had this the other day actually this just reminded me, I was looking at just, you know, scrolling around on YouTube and came across um, someone that I follow who has an audience about the same size as mine, but she gets way more views per video than I do, like over 5,000 where I'm sitting around the like 1,500 mark maybe per video in, in the first few weeks. And so I was like, dang, that sucks. Like, what am I doing wrong that my audience isn't watching my videos? But you, then you just got to sit back and think that, okay, we're different people. We've got different audiences. We talk about different things. And eventually I will build up the audience that is interested enough, you know? And that's why I say that numbers don't really matter because what matters more is the engaged people. So the people who are watching and commenting are more important than the people who, you know, just click subscribe but then mm-hmm. don't actually watch your stuff. So I know that eventually I'll build that up and be building up the audience of the right people but it does take time even though I've been doing this for two and a half years now that's really nothing compared to how long many people have been on YouTube and building up the audience for them so I've just got to have some patience. I'm sure you'll get there no doubt about it. Yeah I I think I will too I think it'll just take time you know. Yeah. So another tweet we sent out was asking what the hardest thing is about sharing a side project and no one noticing. Should we answer this first, Vim? What do you think? What's the hardest thing about sharing something and having no one notice? I think just feeling like a bit discouraged. Like I I think the imposter syndrome creeps in a bit and feeling like, you know, it's a bit about your personal feelings. Like you start self-doubting yourself or maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I could have done it better. Maybe I should have, you know, maybe I should have done this, done that, kind of like that hindsight thing. So I think that's probably the most, like, yeah, unfortunate thing. Yeah, and it sort of would feel like if it's the type of side project that we have where you want people to notice and get value from it, it would sort of, you'd question the time you were spending on it, I suppose. Well, that that's what I would do if I would say put out a video and no one watch it. I'd be like, I just yeah. spent so long on this. Yeah, Did I just waste my time? Like, if it's not even helping anyone was it worth it or should I have been putting my efforts elsewhere? I think that'd be the hardest thing. What our audience said was, well, yeah, we're sort of similar to that. Uh, Awe said that his is more mental, insecurities creep in, wondering if I truly have a place in whatever world I put myself into. So that's what you were talking about, Fem, with the imposter syndrome, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't really, like, prepare for it, I guess. You know, you don't know what's going to happen when you launch something. So, I mean, I guess for me with my magazine, like I do have that fear of launching it and absolutely nobody caring at all, uh, especially because the majority of my audience is digital designers. Uh, But I guess I'm sort of like trying to, 
I, I'm like doing preparation, like, you know, talking to this print lady, etc., like to kind of minimize the potential of it failing or of that happening. Uh, so, yeah, I guess like trying to do as much research as I, research as I can to prepare myself to try and like have the most successful launch, I guess you could say. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's because you are aware of the fact that perhaps if I don't do this right, people might not be interested. So because of that, you're taking every step you can to get it right. And I mean, who knows? You never know what's going to actually happen when it does launch, but at least you know you'll have one sale with me, Fem. Oh, thanks, Charlie. So kind. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true, though. Like, you, you just have to think about that you have got the support system. You know there are people who will care, right? Like, even though it's a fear, you know within yourself that there are people who will care about it. It's just that, I don't know, I guess you worry that it might not be as many as as you hope. But I think you're doing everything that you can to make it awesome. And for that reason, I think it will succeed because you're aware that it could be an issue. So you're working to fix that before it's an issue. Did that make sense? Yeah, no, that, like you said it better than I said before when I was mumbling. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that is basically it. Like, because I know that it could potentially happen, I'm doing everything I can now to try and prevent that from happening. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, being aware of that, and even though insecurities are not nice and it's not nice to have this fear, they could actually help you in a way, I suppose. Like, think about all the options and think about the worst case scenario for your project and that could help help improve it. Uh, Alex said that limited feedback is probably the hardest thing about sharing a side project and no one noticing. And I would definitely agree with this. That would be a really difficult thing for me with my YouTube channel, having no feedback on it would yeah just be really hard because if you've got no one noticing and you're not getting any feedback how do you know what's not working to change it yeah what the problem is yeah so I guess you're just gonna have to test some things yourself and see see what happens there yeah I think like testing it like trying different ways to do it maybe and seeing which one sticks uh that could help sort of bring to light what wasn't working in the other ones. Mm. Like, for example, uh, sharing images when you tweet about things, uh, changing up the design of the look of those images to make them a bit more eye-catching or, I don't know, stand out a bit more in your feed, look a bit more aligned to your brand, all these different different ways you could yeah. tweak things slightly just to see if they make any difference. And, I mean, there's no harm in trying, right? Yeah. No, not at all. And it's often quite easy these days to test things anyway. Mm. One last response to this from Louise. She said that in her brain, if no one notices a side project, no feedback equals no positive feedback equals project isn't good equals my design idea concept isn't good. And isn't it funny how our brains like compound things like that? Yeah. And if no one notices, that doesn't mean no one cares, actually. It just means they haven't seen it yeah possibly that's actually a really good point maybe it was that nobody saw it rather than people saw it and didn't care about it and that's why you can't give up on it too quickly because like I said before I think there is the audience out there for everyone and finding it can just be really tough so you can't give up on it you have to keep trying different ways otherwise it is going to feel like no one cares but actually you just haven't found the people who do care yet yeah so Keep shouting, Louise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keep on going.
that sounds like a good note to wrap it up on, perhaps, Fem. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've touched on a lot of things, such as like ways to overcome, you know, nobody noticing, maybe different things that you could try doing to encourage people to notice. And, you know, obviously the big one of building an audience and the importance or I guess the impact that that could have when it comes to actually launching something so that you're not just launching to crickets. And most of all, I think, just realise that it's a completely valid fear to have. It's something that I think it seems most creatives do worry about when they're launching something new. So you're not alone in, in fearing that, but just have some faith in yourself and keep putting yourself out there and you'll find the right audience. Good chat. Good chat indeed. Where can people go to find all the rest of our chats, Fem? They can go to designlife.fm and on there you'll see all of our episodes that you can listen to. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to our newsletter. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter. We're at designlifefm on there and that's where we will always tweet out some little conversation starters before we record an episode and get your thoughts on it. So come join in. And we actually have another way you can join in a conversation coming up very soon, don't we, Fem? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, this Wednesday on the 25th of May, we're actually going to be hosting a live Q&A session. So Charlie is visiting me in Amsterdam uh, for a conference that we're going to. So on Wednesday, we've decided to set up a little live chat Uh, So if you would like to join in on that, maybe you have some questions you'd like to ask us and we can answer them live on air, then register for the event. Uh, You can do this at designlife.fm slash live. We would absolutely love to see you there and yeah, hear all your questions and you can see us chatting in real time. (laughs) Yeah, we are are actually real people. (laughs) Yes, we are and real friends. (laughs) Yes, and real friends. (laughs) Well, good chat and I'll see you next week, Fem. Yeah, see you next week and see you Wednesday. Woo! Bye. Bye.